0: Hello and welcome to episode four of the Voicing Vulnerabilities in Higher Education podcast. I'm here today with Isaac Haig, a final year chemistry student. I'm going to talk about some of his experiences of the university, having been here for, well, actually near to five years now. Yeah, this is going to be my fifth year now. Fifth so yeah. Thanks for having me, Owen. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, because from my knowledge of you, is that you are, have recently set up this men's talking group, something that happens every week. Am I correct? yeah, in,
1: yeah. yeah, so we do it twice a week now, um mm-hmm. Mondays and tuesdays five from five o'clock in the mm-hmm. multi faith chaplaincy um and that was uh started by myself originally, and mm-hmm. then um Patrick came and joined me on the the, sort of the leading of it um but yeah, it's a space for for people who identify as men. To mm-hmm. come and open up um, and really have a space where they can be themselves, be honest, um, and get get feedback from other people, um, but not necessarily just you know academic feedback. It's just any kind of you know encouragement, um, advice. Mm-hmm. You know, just to kind of it's therapeutic, but it's not it's not therapy. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little community we've got going.
0: And like, what motivated you to kind of initiate this group?
1: Yeah, so I got I got quite involved with the the mental health stuff a couple of years ago, and I, you know, as we were, you know, a little group of us, um, and I, I mean, it wasn't hard to notice that I was the only man getting involved, um, and I, you know, there's that stat of three quarters of suicides are male, um, mm-hmm. and I felt like men just weren't really engaging with their mental health as much as as much as anyone else really. So I sort of Decided to explore options, um, see what I could do about that, Um, and you know, I had a lot of failures along the way, but I'm quite happy with how it's gone. Uh, I've learned a lot about myself and what, you know, what engages men as well. Um, I started this group uh, about a year and a half ago, start of the last academic year, um, and for several months, no one came. Um, So, you know... That's, that's really tests how, how resilient you are when, when you're setting up this thing that you think is going to be great and no one comes. Yeah. Um, but I stuck with it. Um, I met Patrick. We got involved with this charity in Bristol called Talk Club, okay. which is a, a, kind of a group um, set up by, by uh, Ben Akers, who's done a documentary on his best friend killing himself. Um, and it's, they give, give men the space to, to open up, really. Um, And we got involved with that and through their framework, through persistence and yeah, telling basically every man we knew about it and we've managed to establish something quite, that we're quite proud of.
0: That's good to hear. And it's good to hear that you're now at the point where you can feel proud of it rather than nervous and having to feel resilient against some of the challenges and setbacks. But I mean, to let you know that. The wellbeing services at Bristol even struggle to get any kind of student engaged in their Mm. workshops. So actually getting students interested in opening up is a challenge in itself. And the fact that you've got to that point where you have got men in particular who are disproportionately less likely to open up. I think that's a great achievement. And it's good that you kind of stuck at it and you kind of asked for help, I guess. You kind of reached out to different parties, charities and Patrick and now yeah. in a good position there. Um what has this kind of cuz you said it's kind of taught you stuff this group? Can you like name something in particular that it's kind of teaching you maybe about yourself or just about men's mental health?
1: Honestly, um I think it's kind of given me the skill of sort of just allowing people to to share. And I think people will tell you a lot when you just shut up and listen to them and like just give them that space. Um and yeah, like I think that's been the biggest thing I've learned um of just like how to be a good listener for people mm. and i think yeah i think that's a skill that that we should all develop um it's and i'm not a skill to have yeah <laughs> and i'm not saying that i'm in any way an expert but i do think that i have learned a lot about about that since since having this group and being the kind of the facilitator as well i really enjoy that and mm-hmm. i hope i get better at it
0: and did you find that at the university there wasn't that many spaces for you to open up and where would you have gone if you didn't have this kind of great idea to start a men's talking group
1: um yeah back when I started in 2015 which is years ago I basically I think I was gone through a breakup or something like that and I just mm. needed to talk to someone because you know I was I didn't really get on with my flat and I felt just a bit lonely and, and basically the only person the people that I could talk to because I didn't have a great personal tutor. Just kind of just luck of the draw, um, was the counselling service. Mm -hmm. And that was back, you know, years ago when, like, not many people really knew about it. Um, Mental health was obviously an issue, but, like, no one talked about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ended up just going to the counselling service. But really, I could have just seen a wellbeing advisor, seen friends, like, done Mm -hmm. anything like that. Like, I didn't need the therapy at the time.
0: Yeah. But... I think that's an important point of we shouldn't be too quick to offset students to counselling because a lot of the time people just need that space to just Mm. open up, kind of get things off their chest, feel the weight lift off their shoulders. But I guess some of the time you get students don't really have the space all the time or they're not necessarily developing the conversational skills to talk about things in this kind of capacity where you're opening up, voicing some vulnerability and just letting people know that you might need a bit of help. Yeah. Um, Because especially if you're just, the the only time you connect with your peers is going inside and outside a lecture hall. It's hardly conducive to a a good talk. So I definitely think having more spaces. Because where do you host your men's talking groups?
1: In the multi-faith chaplaincy.
0: Oh, okay. Great space to kind of. So it's,
1: yeah, it's not, it's not religious in any way, but it's just a really nice space to, yeah, it's just a room with some comfy chairs,
0: basically. Yeah and then from what I know of that space it's a space where actually the people there are quite a community spirit so to speak and I think people are willing to open up and chat to new people which you don't always get Mm. after freshers week at the university people who are willing to talk to new people
1: yeah I mean there's other stuff like the living room that that was set up by another sort of organization that sort of tries to combat loneliness camarados Mm -hmm. um and they sort of help people around the country set up these living rooms. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, more spaces like that, obviously mm-hmm. space is a limiting factor. But
0: And you recently wrote a piece for Epigram on the extent of loneliness. Or was that was that your piece? Yeah. 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 Um, I just, since you, I guess you're quite well acquainted with the knowledge on that, like what mm. do you see as the root of loneliness and how, what are your experiences of loneliness at university? I think
1: so much of it, at the beginning, uh, well, I mean, for obviously the people who haven't read my article, um, it was recently reported in the, the well-being survey that one in five students were felt either very lonely or isolated, mm. um, and that compares to 8% of people in the same sort of demographics, wow. so it's quite a, a striking difference, really. Yeah, um, cool. And as obviously it's difficult to say exactly what causes it, but I think you know university it's a huge place mm-hmm. you know you go from school of maybe like 200 people in your year maximum mm-hmm. to thousands um and huge halls as well um and if you don't sort of click with people immediately it's very hard to do that and i definitely felt like that in first term of first year um it took me a while to kind of um find my people as it were um, mm-hmm. i sort of got involved with the society um, but I sort of depended on that a bit too much, um, went through a breakup at the sort of beginning of, sec- end of second year, beginning of third year, um, and I felt very lonely after that because, um, yeah, like all my, all my ex was in the society, you know, my friends mm-hmm. were in society. So, uh, yeah, I definitely kind of felt lonely again and I had to throw myself back into to things and I sort of just got involved with <laughs> mm-hmm. everything I could, um, So, yeah, it's definitely, university is a very, very easy place to feel
0: lonely, I think. Um, Yeah, you definitely got it right. I mean, the institution's huge, and you do have to make that effort to reach out to people, but sometimes if you're in a place of, you know, anxiety or, you know, low moods, you're not really motivated, or Mm. you kind of, from my experiences that I've, often felt like why would they want a message from me or why why should I reach out because they're not interested but really you just it's about challenging those thoughts but to get to that point you have to go through some things yourself I think it's hard it's very hard
1: Um, yeah I think it's very easy to just sort of stay in your room all day if you're you're feeling anxious or depressed like I have been in the past Mm -hmm. Um, and not engage with the outside world but that does just make it worse which is even harder
0: and a lot of the time, students who are kind of on their own and struggling with things and not opening up are also not very compassionate with themselves. There's a mm-hmm. kind of culture of perfectionism that I've noticed, and students really kind of punishing themselves, even if they get like a really good, you know, 2, two, two 1 grade, it, they see it as a failure. Mm. And I wonder, like, what's your relationship between, like, perfectionism and well-being and
1: yeah I think I am I would identify with being quite hard on myself Mm -hmm. I think it's very easy to be hard on yourself when you can you know you you know all your flaws Mm -hmm. um, and it's very hard to ignore that when you're faced with the fact that you can't see everyone else's Mm -hmm. Um, so it has driven me to perfection a lot of times Um, you know I first and second year when I was particularly suffering with mental health stuff I would put off coursework because I'd be scared and anxious of failing it. Basically, um, you know, I, d- I didn't do my—I failed one exam in first year, the maths one, because I just didn't do any of the coursework because it was hard. Um, and that obviously—it's kind of yeah—it was quite ironic because obviously I was scared of failing the the little exercises every week that would get me better, um, but in the end I failed the exam because of that. Um. so yeah a fear of failure can definitely kind of be all-consuming and hold you back more than you know it's kind of long-term difficulties
0: and I think it makes kind of receiving feedback from academic tutors really painful to the point where sometimes you don't even want to process mm-hmm. the feedback because you're so kind of consumed by the like pain of you know, not getting the grade you want or not them not seeing how hard you've worked on a paper. I wonder, like, have you had any experiences with feedback from tutors where you've been a bit like, this is awful, or this is, I, I can't even process this? And
1: Yeah, I mean, failing exams is very, like, overwhelming. I mean, I don't have much, mm-hmm. in my degree, it was very, like, make or break in terms mm-hmm. of exams, so. I can't remember what percentage, but it was like two, probably three quarters of my overall grade was exams. Um, And just getting those like, I think especially with exams, you get the failure and you just don't know why. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, you know, you just haven't revised enough, but you just have struggled with it. And it's very, very challenging um, and disheartening when you've gone from doing very well at school. I mean, everyone needs, you know, good grades to be in this university. Everyone... Has succeeded at some point to be in this university and to go from that to to failing quite readily at things is quite a quite a shock um it was definitely a shock to me at the end of first year
0: Mm. Um. and as the years went on how did you kind of find like mechanisms to like process feedback better have you found any
1: um honestly um I had quite a bit of therapy a few years ago mm-hmm. and I just talked about it and that mm-hmm. and I just talked about like How how scared I was of failing? Um, and that had that led to me failing in turn and um, and I was just able to just sort of talk it through and Just having in your mind like I Guess yeah, like you don't need to succeed at everything to be a good person. I think mm-hmm. Um And if you don't succeed at something, but you've given it your best shot and you haven't succeeded necessarily, that's not a bad thing. That's just just that particular axis of life.
0: It's a question of values as well because Mm. some people would place more value on being successful in their kind of extracurricular kind of world and some people would place more value on being successful in their academic side and some people just see university as a place to flourish socially and get the soft skills. But it's still at the core of it is this need to be successful in Mm. something rather than just be and just accept that you know sometimes there will be disruptions and challenges how do you minimize the suffering that comes from those challenges Mm. I think is my approach at the moment is that I can't expect the best from myself all the time because
1: yeah you (laughs) want to be successful but in a sustainable way yeah like you want to be successful in several months time yeah um so i think that's something that i've had to contend with when i am like working Mm -hmm. hard all the
0: time and then you know come to burnout (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah and what would you say your kind of with the biggest failure for you has been or like the time that you felt like you didn't meet your expectation of yourself or your expectation of your version of perfection or success
1: I mean, definitely the biggest timeline. At the time, it felt like a failure. Looking back on it, it was just a part of my life. <laughs> but um, yeah, so in, in second to to so third year, um, I was, you know, gone through a breakup. Uh, things weren't going very well. I lost a lot of friends because they sort of moved abroad and went on year in industries and stuff. Um, so yeah, I definitely felt quite lonely. Um, felt very lonely in my flat. Um, and this kind of just spiraled down basically. Um, you know, I started drinking a lot, missing lectures, um just not living a particularly mentally healthy lifestyle. Um and this just triggered all kinds of, you know, bad mental health stuff to the point where I was so behind on work I didn't know if I was gonna pass the year um mm-hmm. in February. So I went to my senior tutor, um lovely, really understanding guy who kind of, you know I sort of told him all this stuff <laughs> I was very honest that like I didn't know whether I was going to be able to submit my uh, bit of lab work that was due like that week um, because I just sort of put it off completely um, and he he asked me if I would considered suspending for the year um, and that was huge I, I mean I kind of had, I knew friends who had done it which kind of Helped me, yeah, helped me kind of, I guess it normalized it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, made me, it made it not such a huge deal. But basically, he gave me the option of just going away for the week, um, talking to some people, talking to the, the, the relevant people in the uni, and just seeing where I was at that point. So I went and talked to the, the finance office to talk about finances. What would that, what the, that entail? Um, I talked to Just Ask. Who are the academic advisory people in the SU? Um, I think I was quite lucky in the the fact that I had a counseling appointment that week. Mm -hmm. So that was quite good. Um, Oh, I talked to the career service as well, because I had a lot of feelings of kind of, oh my God, what is this going to do about my career? Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I'd, you know, I was worried that if I took a year out, then people would look at that quite badly. And all my kind of, I guess, anxieties about it, not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them kind of subsided after actually talking to people. Um, And I took the decision to suspend my studies for until September. So about sort of seven months as well. Got a part time job. um, And then sort of just actually threw myself into cycling quite a lot. So I just Mm -hmm. work a few days a week and then just cycle the rest and just took the time to kind of think about what I wanted um and yeah just sort of reset and Mm -hmm. have a break from education um I definitely uh, had a gap year Mm -hmm. between university and school so I'd already have a break but I think by that point I was just so overwhelmed by everything that I just needed to to step back and Mm -hmm. not have the pressure of exams and coursework Mm. and that definitely yeah definitely felt like a failure like last year as well um so that was my fourth year here um I had a lot of friends were graduating with masters and I was graduating with a bachelor's Mm -hmm. and that really kind of yeah threw up thoughts of was you know could I have just powered through like could I have just got my head down and suck up
0: yeah um, comparing yourself to your peers can be mm. quite a yeah, yeah spiraling thing as well where you c- it can really damage you and your self-esteem
1: definitely yeah. but i'm i'm happy with the decision i made like i would <laughs> mm. <laughs> saying all that um you know you have those thoughts but i do think it was the right decision for yeah. me hindsight um, is a wonderful thing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, i was not well it's you know it's easy to forget how much of like a bad state i was in yeah. back in february of 2018 but I really was, and, like, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that my senior tutor suggested it to me. Um, and honestly, I think yeah, I just wish that it was a slightly easier thing to do, just take a break from your studies for yeah. six months. Because yeah. everyone I've spoken to has done it has, you know, some of them have the thoughts that I had or admit the thoughts that I had, but overall they all think it's a good thing, um, you know, when it's, when it's that voluntary thing, though.
0: Um mm. so with that i think you've kind of noticed that it wasn't that normalized to talk about suspending but mm. your kind of senior tutor kind of proposed that to you do you think we'd benefit from like having you know from the outset saying this is an opportunity this is you know this is available to you if it's if you need it, because I've not heard much about mm. suspension. I think I've got kind of seen it always as like the last resort rather than something that might actually be of benefit in the long term.
1: I think it's a bit of a grey area because financially, yeah, it's not... I'm quite fortunate in the sense that I you know, got some money from my parents mm. and they accidentally gave me student finance, which they shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um. So I was kind of lucky in the sense that I could just work part-time and focus on myself. But yeah, like financially, it's quite a grey area. Okay. So
0: that you arrived at this point where you are in such a desperate need of a change. I wonder if... I mean, you said you were getting bits of support, but, I mean, you hadn't had the men's talking group then, no. and there wasn't... I guess you hadn't encountered that many spaces for you to start opening up about, oh, you know, I've been, you know, drinking a lot lately. This is not, you know, out of character because of this and this and this, and this is what's on my mind, and this is also on my mind, and it's overwhelming, and I think... It's about being preventative rather than reactive, I guess. Yes, definitely.
1: And I think I do think this this university could do a lot more, and I think they know that. Mm-hmm. Speaking to them, yeah. um, a lot of it is kind of, you know, what do we do when someone's in the worst possible state? Um, yeah. Whilst this men's group is very preventative, because people can spot things, you know, mm-hmm. if you say stuff like, "Oh, I've been drinking every night this week," we'll notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so. You know, I think it's good to look out for people when they're starting on that path because it's very easy to get off it before it gets too bad, mm-hmm. um, before you start spiraling, like I did. Um, yeah. And I knew, yeah, I think I've had bits of student counselling, but it was kind of more of just a space to organise my thoughts rather than, yeah. When then, then when I suspended, though, I did have proper therapy and that mm-hmm. was, you know, uh, yeah I ended up paying for that through my sort of earnings. Mm-hmm. Um and that was that was hugely beneficial.
0: Mm. And what kind of therapy were you would you say was the most benefit to you because I've noticed that students know that they could probably benefit from some counsel or some mm. but there's so many different op- options that it's yeah. quite hard to figure.
1: Um I think so there's it's kind of normal as in normal but like this sort of standard therapy where you just kind of talk and you explore stuff with someone um, and I had a really really good counsellor for that um, I think I actually went to the uni just after the strikes they had some the uni used their money and they they sort of paid for some drop in counselling over exams at that time so that was in my third year and then I went there um, and really got on with one of the, the therapists there and so decided to Keep continue seeing her with my own money basically um but there's also stuff like cbt so mm. cognitive behavioral therapy which i had a bit of i had a bit of last summer um when yeah things weren't so great last summer as well um not nearly a, as bad but you know just just a bit of a rut um and that was really good in the sense of you know i have a lot of anxious thoughts sometimes and i think that's a cognitive behavioral therapy is a really good way of challenging those um and it's it's not it doesn't work for everyone but it can be a really good way of looking at your thoughts very skeptically uh kind of holding them in at arm's length um and then kind of going forwards from there um mm-hmm. and some of the th- some of the the techniques in CBT i think you know we could all learn from from implementing them in our lives yeah um you know Stuff like not seeing the worst case scenario, um, not seeing stuff as black and white, um, not just assuming things about other people. You know, it's looking at things very rationally.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So yeah, I I did definitely benefit from that and I would look to get some more.
0: Yeah. That's interesting though, because I think all students could definitely benefit from having these kind of just simple practices of challenging Mm. negative thoughts because a lot of the time, we're consuming information, you know, and then regurgitating that information and trying to process that and not really processing how we are doing with our mental fitness and how we process our own emotions. Mm. It was not, and I wonder if there is a place in the curriculum for us to start subtly kind of introducing not only critical engagement with theory and text and content, but critical engagement in our own emotions and. Yeah, I mean,
1: you mentioned the term mental fitness, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really, really key like way of putting it. Mm -hmm. In the terms of like, you need to, everyone needs to take the time um, just to look after themselves and Mm -hmm. keep at it. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, and I don't think it's that hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But we need to look after our mental health. Yeah,
0: and it needs training as well. It's like it, it's not so simple to just sit back and hope that time will just make things better it does require that effort and it's hard to admit that to yourself because you just want an instantaneous sense of hope again but it does require one to just keep challenging the negative thoughts and keep appreciating the positive moments the snatches of really you know nice experiences throughout the really difficult days Mm. and you do notice that oh i know i laughed today and you notice that and it's important to kind of write those down and let yourself know that it's not all doom and gloom and that you can cling on to some things. And mm. and we're also making an effort to achieve and access these experience, positive experiences as well. So like giving yourself the pat on the back as well, because all the time was, I feel like, um, students just don't give themselves enough credit <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: um, well it's so easy to focus on the negatives and yeah. just really brush off the yeah, that, successes uh, yeah.
0: just submit this essay just got the grade next one next yeah. thing rather than actually just uh, you know i just did that and i just did this and i'm juggling also moving into a new city and mm. moving away from family and trying to s- stay connected and there's a lot to kn- yeah and, and a lot to manage and in terms of your... So you've talked about some of these challenges you've faced and these disruptive experiences. Mm. In kind of like one or two lines, what would you say out of... It, the message has been to yourself from the... Like, what have you learned? Is there, is there anything that you've kind of said, right, I know this about myself and I know this about life more generally and this is how I'm going to...
1: Yeah, you know. I mean, the definite takeaway is that Life was definitely not how I planned it out to be when I first left school mm. um and it has been messy, mm-hmm. but I've grown from it and I've learned from it, and I feel like i'm a you know looking back sort of five years, mm. I feel like a completely different person um yeah, it's just life is messy, and it's quite terrifying at times, but yeah. things do work out yeah. um if you kind of point yourself in the right direction,
0: yeah, I think it's important to know that in terms of this kind of contrast to our perfectionism is mm-hmm. trying to say that actually life does involve challenges and setbacks and suffering and it's how we yeah navigate to the right areas to minimize those challenges and how we process them and how we react to them because things will just disrupt us all the time yeah. we plan we set out on you know a relationship it breaks down or we set out to get this grade but we you know something at home disrupted our Revision time. Yeah. It
1: is only through those challenges I think you really learn stuff. And, mm-hmm. you you know, you only, yeah, you only, you know, you don't get strong in the gym by going and lifting the weights that you can do already mm-hmm. like, quite easily. you got to you got to push yourself. Um, and it's through these challenges that you, you do learn stuff about yourself, what you're capable of. Because um, people are capable of a lot more than they think they are. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely was. Um, and still, you know, I still have to remind myself that, you know, every week. So, yeah, it's
0: good to s- this like uh, metaphor with the gym as well, and seeing you know life as you know working with the challenges rather than just re- receding backwards. I think mm. yeah, it's a useful take home. Yeah,
1: I definitely think my anxiety, you know, I was quite an anxious kid, and it's it's not gotten easier. As in, it's gotten easier over time but not because my life's gotten easier. It's because I've sort of, you know, I've gone through breakups and I've dropped out of uni and got back into it and, you know, picked things that didn't really work out and then sort of left them. And But all that through that, I've, you know, I've survived and I'm here now. So,
0: yeah. That's good to hear. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Isaac. That's I fair. think we've heard a lot that, We could all benefit from and it's good that you are now starting to see challenge is not something to be immediately averse to but yeah well thanks for having me and that was the fourth episode of voicing vulnerability and we'll be back with a new guest very soon